Greetings, PTS reunion attendees. In my tradition, I must first give honor to God, within whom we live and move and have our being. By the power of God, by the breath of God, we live and speak and are present. By the power of God and the grace of God, we continue to have life and have it more abundantly. So I give honor and glory to God. I would also like to take this time to acknowledge and thank President Barnes, the Office of Alumni Affairs, and the Reunion Committee for this invitation and opportunity to share the word today. I would also like to extend my heartfelt gratitude to our chapel office, Jan Ammon, Martin Tell, Melissa Haupt. Thank you so much for laboring with me in the preparation of today's service. It is our prayer that it will minister to you and give glory to God. Finally, I try to always acknowledge my daughter, even in her absence. She's a sixth grader in West Windsor Public School, so she's not here. But I imagine this sermon may show up on the internet someday, and I don't want her to say that I did not thank her. <laughs> so I must give honor and glory to God for the life of the one who teaches me and has been my greatest teacher, my daughter, Olivia Walker. She's a preteen. I solicit your prayers. <laughs> Y'all, it's preaching time. So please pray with me. God, you are here. You are present in this place. As your Holy Spirit rests in this place, we lift our hearts, minds, ears, and lives to you in order that we may receive a word from you that not only sounds good, but is good and will do some good. So now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. I pray this in the matchless name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Facing trials with joy. Facing trials with joy. Kind of a funny title, right? But a service of remembrance and celebration has a reflective quality to it. And it made me reflect and I just want to put a pin real quick. One of my friends told me that only seminarians use the word reflect when you say think about. <laughs> it made me reflect on the life that I've lived up to this point. Have any of you come in with that thought today? How I've lived my life up to this point? How would I like to be remembered? What words would someone speak over my life when it comes to an end? What legacy? would I have left behind? So I started thinking about legacy and what legacy looks like. I started thinking about how often we conflate legacy and inheritance. And if you're in ministry, which I'm assuming most of you here are uh, in ministry, you already know that leaving behind a financial inheritance is not very likely. So we have to think about legacy in other ways, inheritance in another way, in another way. So legacy can be varied when it comes to our spiritual affairs. For instance, you have a legacy of hope that is found in and through Jesus Christ. There's a legacy of faith in God. There's a legacy of harmony in relationship with God, with one another, and with ourselves. These are demonstrations of how we can experience God and in turn be used by God. But sometimes that inner working stuff, that internal work that we do on ourselves goes under the radar as a type of legacy that we can leave behind. Nevertheless, it is a legacy. 
So what's the internal work legacy that we can leave? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I didn't really hear you ask it, but I'm assuming that that was a question that you had in the back of your minds. In my meditation and petitioning God for what we are to contemplate today, I first came upon the text found in Revelation, be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. As Reverend William Hurd sang so beautifully at the beginning of today's worship, we have been promised that when it is all over, we shall wear a crown. And I believe that. Serving as a faithful witness until death will bring us a crown of life. As we spoke the names of our dearly departed alums from as early as the class of 1949 to as recently as the class of 2016, I won't speak for you, but my life was under examination. I began to think, what is this internal work that I need to do? How can I be faithful until death? How do I get a crown? I want a crown. How do I get a crown? What does it mean to be faithful until death? Now, to be clear, the full text of Revelation 2 and 10 is, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Beware the devil is about to throw some of you into prison so that you may be tested and for 10 days you will have affliction. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. This says to me that suffering comes before death, and at some point in our lives we will face suffering if we haven't already. At some point in our lives we will face trials, but then there's this whole idea of a crown at the end of these trials. There's this whole idea of joy at the end of this suffering, this facing of trials with joy. Yeah, yeah the internal work that we must do. We have these trials that we must face, but we can face them with joy because we know that if we do, we receive the crown of life. That is life everlasting through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now life is not easy. There will always be days that will test your physical strength. Y'all, my lower back is actually hurting right now. There will be days that will test your emotional strength. I told y'all I have a preteen at home. <laughs> There will be days that test our spiritual strength and fortitude. Have you ever felt like God was silent and that God was nowhere close to answering your prayers or that God was ignoring you to the point that you felt you had to figure it out all on your own? I know I'm not alone in thinking that. And those are the days where our spiritual strength and fortitude seem to waver the greatest. On those days, we should faint not. For the psalmist said, I would have fainted unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's that faith talk. That's that endurance talk. That's the work of self-examination that reminds us that we've been here before and I remember that I would have given up, yet I believed. I would have thrown in the towel, yet I believed. That's the result. That's the celebration. That's where we claim the crown when we faint not. That is where we base our joy. In this history that every time we thought to give in, God showed up. That when God showed up, God kept us in the land of the living. That land of the living is now and in the future if we faint not. That land of the living is both present and, to use a seminary word, in the eschaton, if we faint not. But the legacy that we leave is that of facing our trials with joy. How do we get this joy? 
It's simple, but then it's not. We ask God for it. It's simple, but then it's not. That spiritual strength is available to you and me. It's just, I'm just here to remind you today that you have it and that you have access to it. That spiritual strength does not come by our own will because when we are in the midst of our children not acting right or our partners not cooperating or our money having a little more month at the end of it or our loved one experiencing health challenges or our pantries empty or our housing being unsure or our government betraying us or, or, or. It is not our will that will save us from spiraling down. It is not our will that will move us to joy. This is a battle that cannot be overcome by our will. We cannot respond to the trials and challenges of life appropriately by our will. For as Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 10, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God in the pulling down of strongholds. And what should be our attitude as we face these battles. Joy? What are the ways that we come against these challenges and what should our attitude be because of it? Joy. It is not by our power, not by our might, but by the Spirit of God. The Gospels taught us, gave us instructions, and James provides us with clarity of application. This application encourages our wholehearted commitment to God. So let's revisit the scripture. James 1, 2 through 8 and 12. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, any kind, consider it nothing but joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature, complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives it generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given you. But ask in faith, never doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter being double-minded and unstable in every way must expect to, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Blessed is anyone who endures temptation. Such a one has stood the test and will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love God. As life's trials and tribulations and temptations arise, whether they be outside forces or forces of your mind, Try as they might to come along to tempt us to conform to the values of this world, we have a template of resistance available to us to help guard our joy. We received our language of resistance in our template for prayer. Jesus included the words, do not bring us to a time of trial. Jesus included the words, we not be, not be led into temptation, but deliver us from evil to teach us how to pray to maintain, retain, and reclaim our joy in those times of trials and temptations. Whatever the trials and temptations that we face, we get to face them. If we believe the prayer that we've been taught, we get to face them with the Lord fighting our battle every step of the way. 
This ought to bring you joy. This ought to discourage us from sitting in the pews looking like the sour lemon family with our lips all pursed because life's been dealing us lemons. That is a weakness. And God's strength, though, is made perfect in our weakness. That ought to bring you joy. We can face our trials with joy. When we, are, when we have placed ourselves on the altar of life, God showed us the ram in the thicket, saved us and brought us out. That reminder ought to bring you joy. When we have placed our marriages on the altar, God showed us a ram in the thicket that restored our marriages or help some of us get out, but that ought to bring you joy. God has been so faithful to us. How can we not face our trials with joy? We are still here. We are still standing. When we are our weakest, whether in faith, physical ability, spirit, or mind, God still held us strong because we prayed believing that God would deliver us from every evil that would befall us. For in our weakness, God is strong. That ought to bring some joy. This weakness of faith is an infirmity that we must plead with God to release us from or at least walk with us in it. James gave us the prescription for the application by faith. We must ask God for it. We can't gin up, the, when we can't gin up the strength to process and claim joy for ourselves, we need to acknowledge that weakness in ourselves and we can ask God for it. If any of you is lacking wisdom, how do I do this joy thing, God? By faith in asking God for it, God will give it to you ungrudgingly. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so we are privileged to declare that by faith most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We can't be of any use. We can't be of any use in the building and advancing of the kingdom of God if we can't as disciples of Christ, exhibit that because of our relationship with God, we are able to face our trials with joy. We can't convince anyone of God's saving, enduring, and present power if we have the same disposition as those who are not aware of God's power do. We limit God's use of us when we forget that the experience and demonstration of joy in moments of dis-ease is part of the equation. So let us be of good use. Let us be faithful to the word of God by facing our trials with this confidence, this assurance, this legacy that is available now and in the hereafter. This joy is the legacy that we leave behind, facing trials with joy. Because of this legacy that we live, we sing, I love the Lord. He heard my cry and pitied 
every groan. Long as I live and troubles rise, I will hasten to God's throne, that throne that holds the crown, the crown that conquered death, hell, and the grave, that throne that holds the crown, that symbol of everlasting life, that throne that holds the crown, the symbol of what was, what is, and what is to come, that throne that holds the crown that will be placed upon the heads of those who love the Lord with a whole heart, that throne that shall be placed up that crown that should be placed upon the heads of those who endure tests trials and temptations I rejoice that I shall wear a crown because I have faced my trials with joy because God promised me that if I lean and depend on God I shall wear a crown this is the legacy that we live this is the legacy that we leave when we face our trials with joy amen Amen.